Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are talking about Graffiti Bridge, the feature film. Yeah, we're, we're going to do that. <laughs> and I'm excited. This is a- can you smell my enthusiasm uh, I, through I the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Good. It's a first for us. We have reviewed... Sign of the Times, the concert film. We mm-hmm. have reviewed Rave into the Year 2000 <laughs> concert film. Uh-huh. We have not reviewed a feature film, so no. to speak, that wasn't a live music endeavor. That's right. Although I would say this sort of borders on the edge of such a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Get ready for, uh, I don't know, our first endeavor into thumbs up and thumbs down world. That, that's right. Here we go. <laughs> I think I think we're qualified to do this. Well, this was not received well, this movie. It was yeah. nominated for five Golden Raspberry Awards. The Razzies, which were almost 10 years old at this point. They've been doing it since the 80s? Uh-huh. In 1981. Oh. Spring of 1981, and it's the opposite of the Academy Awards. It's the right. terrible movies. Because this movie, we didn't say, this film came out uh, towards the end of 1990. Uh-huh. But at least it didn't win any of those Razzies, so... It, it didn't even win a Razzie. It, it, <laughs> I guess well, that's a victory. I mean, that is a victory, because it, it, it wasn't the worst. There uh, were worse films that came out in 1990. Or maybe just more people saw the other films. Oh, that know. could be. I don't know. What do you? What qualifications do you have to have? I to don't be know. A, I don't a, get a vote in the Razzies. I have no idea. So I don't know that it's a. I was going to say a popularity contest, but it's kind of a dispopularity contest. Right. <laughs> it's like high school all uh-huh. over again. Yeah. All the cool kids get to vote you off the island. Except <laughs> well, Prince was the cool kid and. What it, what happened? He was. I don't know. <laughs> he he was on a roll and uh, figured out a way to uh, get in his own way. Yeah. But Prince wasn't fussed about this not being commercially widely accepted. He told USA Today in 1991, it was one of the purest, most spiritual, uplifting things I've ever done. It was nonviolent, positive, and had no blatant sex scenes. Maybe it will take people 30 years to get it. They trashed The Wizard of Oz at first, too, which, uh, no, they didn't. But I went and looked up to see if they... Oh, if the initial the Wiz- review... Did The Wizard of Oz get nominated for any Razzies? Uh, well, the Razzies didn't exist then, so no. But uh, The Wizard of Oz was a commercial success for the time. It's not a commercial success by today's standards or even by 1990s standards, but for what it was in like 1939 when it came out, it was quite a success and reviews were... A different sort of animal at that time. Yeah. It also only cost, you know, like a quarter to go see a movie. Right. So, and really, you're paying for air conditioning (laughs) with the uh, added benefit of something to watch. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I went and looked up some of the reviews for Graffiti Bridge. Uh, Uh huh. You'll recall Gene Siskel. Yeah. From Chicago. Shortly stated, Gene's review was, Prince follows his disastrous Under the Cherry Moon 
with another lame film. Aww. I didn't find Under the Cherry Moon to be lame, and I actually don't find Graffiti Bridge to be lame. That's not the word I would use to describe it. Um, you know, not not like I told you. We're not reviewing Gone with the Wind today. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, fair enough. John Ferguson of Radio Times. As a film director, Prince remains a brilliant musician. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fair. Which I thought was great. <laughs> Uh, David Hiltbrand of People Magazine says, The meaning of this clumsy cinematic conundrum is anyone's guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. is true. I mean, a little mystery, you know. That's right. Yeah. He left with something to think about. He's, he's leaving it up to the audience interpretation. Yeah. He's so good at it with lyrics, he thought he'd do it with a movie, too. True. Here you go. Let the movie speak for itself. <laughs> or not. Maybe he should have subtitled the entire film, like he said about... The album that he should have included lyrics. He should have just subtitled the whole thing. His previous film was in black and white, abandoned color. Do this one in color, but include subtitles, even though it's all English. That's right. That would have been very, actually, like, accessible for a lot of people. You're right. It would have been... Right, you know, really ahead of its it time because people are still fighting to have options for. Right, going to a theater and yeah. being able to and having hear. subtitles. Right, yeah, yes. I'm not even kidding. I know. It's too late. It's about thirty years too late for that. Yeah. Some positive reviews I found. Oh. Um, Graffiti Bridge may be far from perfect, but it's also a fascinating film in a number of ways. Do as much to its strengths as its weaknesses, mm-hmm. which I thought was very okay. fair. Uh, another one. He abandons even the semi-realism of Purple Rain for something <laughs> closer to a good old-fashioned backlot musical. Something we get even less of these days, so enjoy the novelty. Uh-huh. Good it's way inter- to approach it. It's interesting because it's not really a musical because the performances are known to be performances. So musical, like everybody just breaks out in song yeah. and sings to forward the story. Right. And this, all of the songs, they forward the story, but they're understood within the film to be performances. So it's not exactly the musical, but it's kind of got some of the flavors of those musicals in the way that it's in the production of it. Good way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. We looked up the budget for the film that it originally had an $8 million budget cost about 10 million to make. And I remember Prince telling Rolling Stone or some magazine back in 1990, 1991, what risk? I'm making a movie with somebody else's money. So yeah. It seems like he didn't have... Um, he wasn't worried about the risk of it not being successful, I guess, which is probably very liberating as a director, uh-huh. but might have prevented better collaboration behind the camera. Uh, He's like, it's somebody else's money. I don't care if it loses, if I lose it. Yeah. It does not have to be a success. I just have to be happy with it. Right. It grossed about four and a half million at the box yeah. office, and estimated that Warner Brothers should have grossed about fourteen million in ticket sales to recover all costs, which is not an awful lot of money. I mean, that's like a top-grossing film of the week now. You know, mm-hmm. coming at, or still in the middle of a pandemic when people are just starting to go back to movies. Mm-hmm. So even thirty years ago, that doesn't seem like an insurmountable thing. But uh, it didn't happen. Right. So hopefully they made up some money with the soundtrack sales and the time albums and other things going Uh on. Oh, here's hoping. Yeah. The original script was completed in September of 1987, Mm -hmm. but it was 
pretty uh, vastly different and with a completely different cast that included Madonna. Well, that was his vision. That was his vision for it. She declined. Yep. Um, And so they were... She needed time to go work on her British accent. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) be nice. Then there was another script that got worked on with Kim Basinger. Right, whom Prince met through the Batman motion picture soundtrack mm -hmm. and film. Yes, and they dated for a while. And that one was going to have Kim Basinger and Jill Jones in some leading roles. And then... Prince and Kim parted ways, mm. and uh, it got rewritten again. Kim had like a town in Georgia she had to go by or something. <laughs> something like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, the final shooting script was completed February 7th of 1990, and the they began filming February 15th of 1990. So like the, right down to the wire. Yeah. There was no time for anybody to like come in and make some suggestions about storyline or yeah editing or right yeah it took all, just five weeks to, to film yeah. yeah march 23rd 1990 is when they wrapped the initial filming okay it was done primarily at paisley park a few scenes were recorded at a rented warehouse in uh, minneapolis um Actually, it wasn't in Miss- outside of Minneapolis. Okay. And uh, then there were some outdoor scenes in Minneapolis and Chanhassen. And then the screenings of the first cut of the movie went poorly. Oh. So Warner Brothers brought in Steve Rifkin, brother of David and Bobby Z. Okay. And he re-edited it, and they did some reshoots, and that pushed back the initial release Mm -hmm. the initial release was supposed to be august 7th 1990 and it got pushed back to november 1st 1990 a holiday outing for your family (laughs) yeah okay Uh the kid morris day Mm -hmm. and your thanksgiving turkey yeah (laughs) there you go there you go so yeah it it had a little short but rocky timeline i think as movies go Sure. I that's mean, that's a, not uncommon, right? To reshoot, re-edit. No. That's not, no, that's not, I don't that's think... not necessarily a sign of a bad film. No, I think it's maybe uh, more uncommon to have the script and the opening of shooting to be quite so close together. True, because you wonder how much they could plan and I mean, plan shots. I but mean, it all mostly is in one location, so maybe not that big of a deal. We're going to go from this room to this room. Right. I mean... And, and get sets built or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But this is the whole purpose of Paisley Park. I'll say that, too. If it took... You know, $10 million to make, how much of that went to Prince's own rental fees mm-hmm. for Paisley Park? And like I said, half-jokingly through the film, a lot of this must have gone into custom neon signs because that, <laughs> that looks so like... so many neon the, signs. There are a lot of neon signs. I mean, it makes Sign of the Times look like it would, came out before neon was invented. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Like, neon was the new thing, and we... Uh, could barely afford any of it in Sign of the Times. And by the time they get to Graffiti Bridge, they're like, yeah. it got cheaper. We're going to spend a whole half of our budget on neon signs. I think that was in Billy's will. That <laughs> if you were going to continue with one of his nightclubs, you had to have a neon sign out front. That's, That's just, right. No backlit stuff. No. No indirect lighting. No. It's got to be neon. It was really, really cool, though. I love the neon signs. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that was I, the best looking, you know, part of the film. It was 
they're really they are. Really you wonder cool. where those things are now because uh-huh. that would be very cool to have up in a room at uh, Paisley Park or yeah. whatever. But who knows? Yeah. I did look up the motorcycle that Prince rides uh-huh. in the movie is the same 1981 Honda CB400A that was used in Purple Rain. It was repainted. Yes, but the same one. Yes, um, and then I would assume the same one that's in the Purple Rain room at Paisley mm-hmm. Park that must have gotten repainted back to look yeah. like Purple Rain. Yes. So we watched the trailer right before we watched the movie. Right. We have the film on a Blu-ray that includes Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon, Graffiti Bridge, and a few extras. Yeah. From each and one of the extras for Graffiti the Bridge. The only was, extra for Oh, was it the only one? It was the only extra for okay. Graffiti Bridge All was right. the trailer. Yeah. Like what you saw maybe before a showing of something else yeah. and maybe on TV? It was. Maybe perfectly fine and super fun except <laughs> that they go and they list all the people that's in it right graffiti bridge and the text is on the screen with prince and then they name a bunch of other people more stage Jerome, Jerome benton the time at uh, the time introducing uh-huh. Ingrid chavez and uh tevin campbell and they list mavis staples and george clinton and may- maybe a couple other people and then they get to the end of this list, and then they say, and Prince. <laughs> like, they mention him twice. He bookends the list of people who's in it. I guess if you got to be you know, stuck between a couple people, <laughs> and it can I, only be one person, I mean, it's Prince. There you go. It was funny, though. You noticed it, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Rewind that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm like, if that was done on purpose, then it's kind of funny. Uh huh. But I don't think it was. <laughs> it seemed like it was done on. It no. seemed like the guy who did the voiceover mm-hmm. forgot he said Prince's name. That's true. The like, way oh, he oh, said oh, it. Oh crap! Did I say it? Let me just put it in there again. <laughs> they can change it if they don't like it. And everybody loved it. Yeah. I will say, to this film's credit, 1990 was not exactly a banner year for filmmaking. <laughs> no. You know, it's an awkward time. Transition between the 80s and the 90s is happening. And so I was like, what are some of the other movies that came out at this time? Biggest winners at the Academy Awards, which took place in early 1991. Dick Tracy for set design, Um, which actually this was a little like, actually. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, and it had Madonna in it. That's true. So which... I mean, I guess she made the right choice in going with Dick Tracy instead of right. Graffiti she picked, Bridge. She picked the right comic book world to uh-huh. attach her name to. The, the, the right world with a lot of neon in it. Yes. Yeah. Dances with Wolves. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg won an Academy Award for her performance in Ghost. Oh, okay. So I guess that kind of tells you. Okay. I mean, not that Whoopi wasn't fine in Ghost, but... I mean, do I think of Whoopi Goldberg's performance in Ghost as this monumental... I don't know, best supporting actress oh. in a film. Not really. I mean, she was entertaining. I okay. liked it. All it right. was fine. So what other films came out in 1990? Total Recall, <laughs> Home Alone, <laughs> Die Hard 2, Flatliners, Awakenings. Flatliners. Edward Scissorhands, Misery, Pretty Woman, Oh. Driving Miss Daisy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hunt for Red October, <laughs> Born on the Fourth of July, and Days of Thunder. Uh, Goodfellas, and some incredible sequels. Just wait for this. Child's Play 2, <laughs> The Exorcist 3, and Back to the Future 3. Oh, ooh. So, I mean... 
this might not be the bottom of the barrel for big budget <laughs> films that came out in 1990. That's fair. Though a lot of those movies that came out in 1990 are still very pop culture relevant. That's true. So. There's not a lot of relevance left for Graffiti Bridge. I don't know that if you asked average Joe, name me three of Prince's movies. They, They'd be like, he made three? I thought, well, pur- Purple Rain? <laughs> that's Yeah, no, that's what people would be, be, be like, then, Purple Rain? He made more? What? Yeah. Do, yeah. do his, all his music videos count as one, one movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasn't there one where... My day was naked in a pool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, this made me think, um, and we haven't even really started talking about the film, but thinking about how he handled the film for the Love Symbol album, Uh huh. that's really what I think this should have been. Yeah. I mean, a, a direct-to-video. A direct-to-video, which there's nothing wrong with that, but no. it's a music video collection strung together by kind of a loose storyline and then you're done. Yeah. And because I think about the Love Symbol album and music videos, it couldn't have been much less to produce than $8 million, $10 million. No. You could have done the same type of thing here. Yeah. Because it's just a weird thing. It's like the same characters from Purple Rain, but they're in a different universe. Sort of. Sort like of. I mean, it's the, like it's a universe that knows the other one exists. Right. But First but Avenue not, doesn't exist. Yeah. But where's First, like, Glam, I think Glam Slam was supposed to be like First Avenue renamed. Was it? Yeah. That's okay. the, kind of what I understood it to be. All right. But. And I had forgotten that Robin Powers was Billy's daughter. Oh, I didn't even understand that from yeah. watching it this time. Oh, they oh. kind of said it in a scene oh. with Robin and Morris, but that Billy left the clubs to Morris and Prince. I must have pissed others. Robin off. I know. Like, what am I, Dad? Or maybe he just didn't want to subject her to the drama of club ownership. That could be. And there's a lot of cash transactions in there... this film also. I mean, it does not strike me as the thing. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people pay cash. But you don't get nightly returns from your nightclub <laughs> and count your cash the next um, morning, do you? I, I mean, I actually think that would have been that would have been more common. I just kind of found in it very, very Breaking Bad. Like Morris Day was oh. the original <laughs> Gus Fring. You know, he's just slinging nightclub jams, and <laughs> not Crystal. Oh no, I think it would have been a primarily cash business. Because credit cards, I can see them not being a thing that was accepted. There may, a in, lot of people that go there are young and might not have a credit card. Uh-huh. And uh, who wants to write a check at the bar? No. He, <laughs> <laughs> it's not Costco. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, as I said to you, I think, while we were watching this, let's not get caught up in the economics of, <laughs> of the film. That's true. That's true, because I did pause it to try and uh, clarify some things. You did, and I mean, I'm like, these are excellent questions, and I'm not the right person to ask. You know as much as me. I was just trying to make sure that I understood what was happening, and, you know, I mean, you just got to... Let it wash over you. Yeah, I expect, I respect the the research, totally, but um, (laughs) you were... You were barking up the wrong encyclopedia. <laughs> I believe this was the first Paisley Park film. Or did 
Sign of the Times count as a Paisley Park film? Maybe. Not sure. I'd have to go back and look. But anyway, so it was a Paisley Park film. We see the Glam Slam Club and there's uh, the kid evidently sleeps underneath the stage. Yeah, he's got a trap door. Uh Uh-huh. And a ladder to get in and out of his room. That's right. The inspiration for everybody's looking for the ladder. He's just Uh trying to get out and find some breakfast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we get this uh, like statements that are echoing through the air that are somewhat... Uh, from the maxi single for New Power Generation. Okay. Are there really angels or are they just in our mind? It's just around the corner. Uh-huh. Boy, we hear it's just around the corner a bunch. A lot. I mean, yeah. It's... Aura is saying. Yeah. Ingrid Chavez is saying. Yes. It's just around the corner. Right. It's just around the corner. And this isn't the first, you know, it says introducing Ingrid Chavez. I guess that's true in a film. Ingrid opened Love Sexy, the beginning of I Know, is her speaking, uh-huh. which is where a lot of this poetry and stuff came from. Uh-huh. Rain is wet. And sugar is sweet. It was during that time Clap period working with her. But anyway, yes, Prince is in the bowels <laughs> of Glam Slam. Uh-huh. And he's, and he's he's sleeping with Jill. That's right. Yeah. And uh but he gets up to go work on his computer. Oh yeah. He's got like Mac. a Mac so SE or cute. something. This yeah. little like a seven inch diagonal black and white screen. Mm-hmm. But he's using a trackball. That's right. He is and using they, a trackball. They want you to see that trackball. Or they bad. want you to see his hands. I don't know. There's at least two shots of two or three seconds of his fingers work in the mouse ball. The, I, oh, the I think pad. it was not maybe a, not in- a mouse ball. <laughs> that would be a great name for a, for, for a trackball, though. <laughs> mouse I'm, ball. I think it was an innuendo. Oh, okay. Yeah, for uh, a female body part. I see. I think the new trackball uh-huh. by Logitoris. <laughs> <laughs> But he's also working on Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. There's uh-huh. like some basic tracks from it that are different than what's in the album version. And you can see the title of the song uh, on the computer screen. Now, I don't think that he used a little Mac SE to make that song. But no. it was that's kind of cool. Yeah. It was like, hey, look at how much I can do on my own if I use my computer. Oh, yeah. 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 So what we cut to the... The Goodfellas scene of <laughs> <laughs> of Graffiti Bridge, where Morris is uh, at the table with his whole crew. Yeah, and they're is talking it? about money, and they need to make more money because they owe somebody money. Yeah, and then uh, some sort of like hot pepper test goes around That's the right. table. Yes, yeah, so they ran out of litmus paper, and they <laughs> had to use chili peppers. That's right. So Morris eats a chili pepper, and he passes the. The chili pepper jar to the next guy, and That's he takes right. a bite and literally starts smoking. I know it's so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but, but it was very sort of funny. Comical. Yeah, I think you you figure out pretty quickly that this is not like Purple Rain Part Two. No, at all. Even though that's how they sold it to Warner Brothers, that's how they yeah. got them to fund it. Was they were like, "What if we made Part Two to Purple Rain?" And they were like, "Finally, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Just didn't foresee it going this way, probably. No. 
So I ca- kept track of songs that appear in the film. Okay. Shortly after the uh, hot chili pepper standoff of 1990, in which Morris wins, of course. He's doesn't even break a sweat. Right. We get song one, New Power Generation. That's so right. really, so far, the film has music that follows the soundtrack. You can't Stop the Feeling I Got, followed by New Power Generation. Cool. T.C. Ellis is like Prince's warning signal. Yo, kid, chill, man, Morris is coming. Uh-huh. And Prince nods and plays this royal intro for Morris coming uh, uh, into the club. The king has arrived. <laughs> Yep. Morris gets all, I don't want any more of the spiritual music played, but yeah. it doesn't make any money and it doesn't make a difference. So right. he's like, your music means nothing to no one except yourself. Yeah. In the words of Billy. That's right. From Purple Rain. That's right. He's got the same troubles. Just follow him around. It's tough. It's real mm-hmm. tough. It is real tough. I love how the time when they enter, they're always like, in concert with their shouts together, like, chicken everything in sight! Yeah. When they come in. <laughs> All right. And then they have this little sample war. It's yeah. pretty funny. Like, yeah. Prince records Morris saying, release it. Yeah. And then one of Morris's henchmen records on his guitar, uh-huh. uh, records Prince screaming, release it. it. Yep. And then, uh, you know, Prince gets intimidated off the stage. That's right. The with release over. Yes. Levi Caesar Jr. and Nico Weaver and T.C. Ellis bemoan getting played out of their own club. Oh, they're so mad that Morris rapped. Morris's crew rapped. Yeah. They're like, we told you you should have let us rap, man. I think T.C. said, you should have let me rap. Because mm. T.C.'s, you know, he's looking for his biggest breakthrough. That's right. Yeah. Morris uh, takes interest in the indoor plants and how they're cared for. <laughs> As he's leaving, yes. Uh, he says he wants more money or he's going to take the kids half of the club. Right. Which I guess he, Morris and Prince own, each own half of the club because Billy left it to them. And Morris, in addition, has his own club. Yeah, Prince got um, the short end of the stick, it seems like. Yeah, something like that. And, yeah. I mean, what did Morris pee on that plant? Because it seems like he peed lighter fluid on it. Well, but he peed into the soil. I mean, to his credit, he didn't pee on the floor. He did get it in the <laughs> potter. So, I mean, the oh, pot. Oh, so uh, points for aim. Okay. That's right. <laughs> no one ever accused Morris of being inaccurate. <laughs> But then he lights the top of the plant on fire, so mm-hmm. it's not his own urine, which I assume would have, you know, hot chili pepper juice in it still. <laughs> Maybe that's what was so flammable. That could be, but really that plant was a fire hazard anyway. Yeah, cause because it needed water. And people smoke in there, I'm sure. You know, if you can light the leaves of a potted plant on fire and it lights up that quickly, then it probably should have been removed anyway. So Okay. Uh, and Moore says later on, the fire marshal is after him all the time. So That's right. He's just doing some spot <laughs> tests, you know. He's just looking out for the kid. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a visionary businessman. That Morris Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Prince rides off on his motorcycle. We get one of these rare outside scenes mm-hmm. of Prince on his motorcycle. It wasn't shot on a soundstage. It's a completely different look to it as a result uh, also. Uh. 
Then we get cuts of Aura sitting in nature, holding a feather, waiting for Prince to show up. Mm-hmm. And Prince ends up pondering, it's just around the corner. What does it mean? And he, there's their lyrics for elephants and flowers painted on a brick wall mm-hmm. that Prince continues to paint over time and time again. Yes. Reminding me of the graffiti bridge that you mentioned. That wall's uh-huh. probably got an inch <laughs> of paint on it by the time this film and is over. And it's all for Prince. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, we start seeing some of the other clubs. It's the, evidently, this is the Seven Corners area. That's right. But there's four clubs on the Seven Corners. There's Glam Slam. Right. We see Clinton's house, yes. which belongs to George Clinton. Right. Then Pandemonium, which is Morris's other club. Right. And Melody Cool, which is Melody Cool slash Mavis Staples. Right. Club, club. slash house. How is, how is it that she, her club got named fictionally? Um, instead why of did George Staples Clinton, House. Yeah why, yeah. why did George Clinton get to use his real name and Mavis Staples had to use Melody Cool? That's, that's true. I don't know why. I don't either. Um, but Mavis got a song. And right. George kind of halfway did. Yeah. So that I, was about as much as he could handle, let's be honest. He had a good time going and filming and he yeah. didn't need to be there any longer than that. I guess. We heard about that. In our last episode. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we get song three at that point. Oh, and that's right around the scene where Robin tells, uh, tells Morris and Jerome, I believe, that she is Billy's daughter. Oh, that's okay. Like, I must have missed that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're so confused. Um, <laughs> so I can no, see why you would come to me for answers. That's, that's not why I'm so confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, how about some weekend funk playing at George's Club, and mm-hmm. you get glimpses of Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss on stage with yep. George Clinton, which is kind of fun. They don't fine. get any credit that I could see, but they were no. there. Yeah, they so got to be there, be a part of, of it. Some of the uh, I don't know house players for Prince are uh-huh. all over this film. Yeah, uh, back at Glam Slam. That's exactly what I have in my notes. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> Back at Glam Slam. Go ahead. <laughs> the kids in this uh, really cool black and white outfit with some interesting face paint, which is kind of fun. Yeah, he looks like a diehard Minnesota Checkers fan. Yeah. <laughs> it is a cool outfit, though. Maybe he's a, a chess aficionado. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he's there to watch uh, the lady from the Queen's Gambit. Uh-huh. Compete in a chess tournament. And that's why he should have sampled himself saying the king has arrived. <sighs> so when he makes that last move. Well, we'll we'll hear more about that uh, when we listen to the unreleased track Checkmate from 1990. That's just a joke. Okay. No I was joke. like, is there really a... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so he plays Elephants and Flowers yes. to a very small but enthusiastic crowd. Yeah, it is very quiet in there. Except for the people who are dancing and see, this is why people are confused about what Elephants and Flowers is about, because these people are dancing so enthusiastically and seem to be losing their clothes in the process They do, and scaring off the few people who are there 
drinking or whatever. Because right. you see a bunch of people leave while the song is playing, and it's difficult to tell whether they're leaving because they don't like the song, right. or because there's people literally getting naked on the dance floor. Yeah. I don't know. But there was a lot more people leaving than you ever saw in the audience at all. That's true. Yes. People appeared out of nowhere to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe a couple of the same people left. Oh, did more you than, see them more than, more than once? Well, they, maybe think. they forgot a purse or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. They went back in. They went back in. Sure. I know there are naked people in there, but my <laughs> wallet. Come on. <laughs> Um, I also wanted to point out the subtle character introduction that we work in here when Aura introduces herself. My name's Aura. My name's TC. Uh-huh. Aura asks, what's your story? And TC says, I'm a rapper waiting on my big break. And I'm thinking, um, you know, maybe try working instead of hanging out here waiting. Oh. <laughs> Call me crazy, but. I'm waiting for my big break. Waiting for a big Yeah. <laughs> okay. <sighs> But then we cut to Aura. She's back under the graffiti bridge. Is this our first glimpse of the graffiti bridge? I think so. I think so, too. Um, she's writing poetry under graffiti bridge. She she lives, or, like, that's where she, that's her office. <laughs> yeah. She has a little palette. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she gets tired while she's writing her poetry. She takes a nap. Yep. Under the bridge. Yep. Yeah. Not she's at lucky. all like a unhoused person. Right. But she's lucky she never gets spray painted on with all the graffiti <laughs> going on. They they leave her untouched. Of course, she can vanish into thin air also, which is probably pretty handy. No need for a house. No, no. Speaking of homes, we find out a little bit about Prince's parents. Uh-huh. Prince is writing to his dad, who apparently left him again. At this point, that's what you think. Right. And his mom is in a nursing home. And he tells his dad, sometimes I feel cursed to make the same mistakes you did. And he opens a drawer and you see a, a revolver. Uh-huh. It's the first <gasps> sighting of a gun. There's all this, all these battle of the bands going on. And Prince has had a weapon this whole time. <laughs> He's, that battle is for his internal battle, though. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Save. That's not for his musical battle. Okay. That's he has a purple axe the, for his... Musical battle. That's right. Save the gun for your internal strife. <laughs> Who comes in? Is it T.C. Ellis that comes in and says, Yo, kid, Tevin's got something he wants to show you. Yeah. He's going to just perform in the street. Song five, round and round. Uh-huh. Tevin goes for it in the street. That's right. Doesn't get to play and he, it's in interesting. his mom's he, club. No, he doesn't get to play in his mom's club. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to play. He doesn't go to Glam Slam and, right. you know, try and perform there. Yeah. You know, like in the afternoon before they open. Yeah. Yeah. They just perform in the street. Right. Which is fine, but it's interesting that he chooses the kid to perform for. He doesn't. He doesn't ask for Morris. Right. That's true. Well, I think that's because his mom, Melody Cool, is clearly on Team Prince. Yes. So she might have gave her son some good advice, because she does get paid for counseling. <laughs> that's true. To uh, yes. go after the positive man, not the winner of the Minnesota Chili Pepper Showdown. <laughs> so... Uh, Tevin has the same Game Boys dancers that Prince uses on stage, too. Uh-huh. That Damon, Kirk, and Tony M. Yep. Who would go on to play prominent roles in Prince's next two albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got the choreography 
down. There was additional record scratching on top of the Junior Vasquez mix that was the album version. Uh-huh. Uh, and that record scratching is a little bit of a touch of the original version of Round and Round, which we have not listened to just yet. But I kind of enjoyed hearing it be a little different. All right. Very fun. People throw money at poor Tevin and he's <laughs> got to pick it up off the street. Well, at least they're giving him tips. I, I mean, yeah. he, he might make as much as the, the kid? kid makes in Glam Slam in an evening. That's true. And he probably has a lower overhead because he doesn't <laughs> need face paint street. budget or, you know. <laughs> well, he doesn't even need a roof budget. That's right. Like he's out in the street. Yeah, you're right. He needs like a record scratcher and... Somebody to start the music on the boombox. Yes. And whatever he gave to Damon, Kirk, and Tony for dancing behind him. I mean, they might have danced, you know, pro bono at that point. Mm-hmm. It could be. That's true. Or maybe they got free admission in a Melody's Club. Oh, Okay, because Melody Cool is Tevin's mom. She Uh leans out the window like 227 style, Jack A, (laughs) tells Tevin to leave the money, but then she hears how much is down there, and she's like, oh, pick it up, all of it. (laughs) Yep, she calls him home. That's right. Yep. She rings the dinner bell. And then uh, Prince learns that Jill is now working for Morris at his club Pandemonium. And he asks her (laughs) what kind of noise Morris is making. And in answer, she drops her panties. That's right. (laughs) So funny. It's maybe the funniest, intentionally funniest scene Uh, where she's like totally dissing him. And you know what kind of noise he's making? He's making the noise that makes me want to take off my underwear. Yeah. Yeah, now Jill gets a pretty, it says her role was reduced uh-huh. in some of the production notes I read, but she's still got a decent role uh. in the film, bigger than being a waitress in uh-huh. Purple Rain, right. you know, where she had two or three lines. Yeah. Well, that's because she had a song and it got cut. That's true. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Then Morris and Jerome encounter Aura and they try to seduce her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh... At the graffiti bridge. By the Porsche. <laughs> yeah. Jerome. Right. Oh, this is the worst part about like high school. And this is what it reminded me of was very high school was Sending where they said you send a friend over when you're interested. Uh-huh. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's some baloney. That is. I like uh, Aura looks over. This is the words of an angel, by the way, sent from God. What's the deal with your buddy over there holding his stuff? Does he have to go to the bathroom? (laughs) Yes. I also noticed at this point that the graffiti bridge is unnecessarily inclined. I mean, it is like a Uh 45 degree angle to get to the top of the graffiti bridge. And most of the people in this film are wearing, you know, high heels and Stacey Adams with not a lot of grip. You never Uh see anyone cross the graffiti bridge. No No one can get over it. No. (laughs) You're safer just crossing the water. Uh And it's not like the water is that wide or that deep. Yeah, I mean, maybe I mean, there's a, it's in a floodplain. I mean, even so, the bottom of the bridge is like right at the top of the water. So if they even it flooded a That's little true. bit, you couldn't get you to couldn't the get over the bridge anyway. That's right. It's a really useless bridge. It's except poor for, engineering, really. I mean, for real. Yeah. Other than the fact that it's you know decorative. That's true. I mean, it provided a place for expression. And, and or seduction. to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Or yes. Or <laughs> poetry. 
they get back in the car and go back to Pandemonium, which is Morris's club, and the song Blondie is playing uh, outside. You can hear it in the limo, and Aura is having these thoughts of saving Morris. Uh-huh. He needs to be saved. Yeah. Yes, and she figures the best way to do that is to speak his language. Yes, to play into his seductive hands. Sure. They call the kid over to Pandemonium because Aura is there. Mm-hmm. Your future wife is there. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you learn, oh, yeah, Jill is working at Pandemonium. And she does, she's a waitress, though. Yeah. Like. Her career has not advanced very much in uh, six years. No. She's she's still a waitress, which there's nothing wrong with being a waitress. Yep. She just is a waitress at this particular club because she's hoping for a break. Right. Right. But she, she's working. We haven't seen T.C. Ellis wait any tables. This is true. Just saying. Some ambition. That's right. Might do you good, T.C. Why is Jerome under the table? I, I don't know. And how does the angel who can disappear herself not sense yes. that there is a grown man under the table lifting up the side of her dress and I, pouring more wine into her glass. I mean... It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous because Morris and Orr are sitting at this stupid. table yeah. and Jerome is under the table. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? I'm, I'm no angel. I could have told you he was there. He right. was not smooth. No, he was not smooth. He was very clumsy. Uh-huh. For yeah. real. Yeah. Then we get Morris cues up a love machine, or as he says in the film, the love machine. Uh-huh. And this is where we thought, I wonder how everyone felt about this, because Jill had originally recorded Love Machine with Prince, uh, had it replaced with Morris and Elisa. Uh-huh. And that's the version in the film. But Jill is on stage in a performing. Bikini. Yes, very scantily clad. Scantily clad. Uh, looking great, but uh-huh. yeah. But then also the lyrics switch to Aura lip syncing the same also. So it seems like everyone at Seven Corners sings except the person who actually sung on the song. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. What shape has seven corners, by the way? I mean, I know a hexagon has six, an octagon has eight. Is there a seven? Surely there's a septicon. Actually, that's sides. That's not corners. I take that back. So an octagon actually has seven corners, right? I knew you would need that pen. Seven, eight. No, there's eight. No, I counted eight corners. So it takes a seven-sided figure to have seven corners. Yeah. Because a hexagon would have six then. Yeah. I don't know what a seven-sided figure is. It's must not, It's not very symmetrical, so it's probably not a popular shape. No. It's not very pleasing. Because humans like their symmetry. Yeah. Okay. Just wondered. I don't know. Just a little geometry. Why not mix some of that in? I thought heaven might save us from having to do geometry, but here we are. <laughs> no. Uh, I guess that as a director, the choice was to communicate that Aura is drunk, that she must start hiccuping. I guess. I don't know. And they're, while they're singing the love machine, mm-hmm. <laughs> Aura is the one who says she's too young to yeah. think about the menage a trois. Right. And when she says it, she's standing between Morris and Jerome. Right. 
which I'm like, wait a minute, is the menage a trois between the three of them? Because that seems pretty off-brand for Morris Day. Yes, I think it would be Aura and maybe a non-angelic female type. Jill, Robin. Yep. One of his Any lovely lady. Yeah. yeah. Any Stella or Grace. That whole scene, too, where they're, you know, barraging Aura with these questions and she's answering. It's a single shot and it is so sl- so painfully slow like <laughs> to me i mean prince is not afraid of fast cuts we've seen this before mm-hmm. and we get this question answer question answer and it's just like they're in the center of the f- screen still shot uh-huh. and ara's looking back and forth between morris and jerome just answering them like where's the fun yeah it is i don't know i don't know what about that scene just struck me as unsuccessful but it did yeah yeah so i guess they they got her drunk i guess they got her drunk that's why she's okay yeah but she wasn't she also seemed uh maybe otherwise inebriated to me like there might have been something in her drink oh you did yeah what did i say (laughs) Well, because they took her out and they put her in their car, right. in their limo. They're going, and, you think they're going somewhere. Yeah, and they drive around a while. Right. And then they end up back at Morris's apartment by, at the club. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you called it the roofie ride. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I can't think of any other need to get in a vehicle and driver. It's not like they really, like went to go get a meal or yeah they didn't go get they didn't even go to the corner store for like chips the seven corner store thank you (laughs) oh it brings new meaning to 7-eleven yeah and then we get song seven Uh uh-huh thieves in the temple yep as morris has swept away aura even Mm -hmm. though princess seems to be dating jill by the way well i guess jill broke up with him Maybe okay. without telling him. Okay. Because now she's with Morris. Right. With the panty dropping. Right. Yeah. And the noise. And the noise. Okay. So, yes, I do think you're right about your menage a trois because Mar- Morris and Jerome. I almost called him Marone. <laughs> Marome. Great. That's, that'll be our, our one name for, for you know, Morris and Jerome. J-Lo, it'll be. Or, no or benefit. Benefer, right. It'll be Marome. Marome, take. Take Aura back to Pandemonium. They try to seduce her more. Uh-huh. Prince sneaks in. And just like in Weekend Funk, he turns the candle out. <laughs> he, blows he blows it out, out and it's pitch black A single candle, apparently, is lighting Morris's entire crib. Uh-huh. And that gives him just enough cover to pick up Aura, like carrying her over the bridal. Uh-huh. What do you call it? The bridal... The- through the over the threshold. That's the threshold. Thank you. The portal. What you go through here? You're transformed. So he he carries her as if you know it's a very sweet thing. Steals her away, leaving Morris and Jerome in the dark. Uh huh. Yes, and then they like accidentally kiss and look all like. And when they turn on the lights, she's got hairy chest, man. Yeah, and then they accidentally kiss, and once they turn on the lights, they're both looking sheepish on the other end of the couch. So I'm like, well, how did you think the menage a trois was going to work? Yeah, that's right. You're going to encounter something. Yeah. Of, and a, of, she a, was, of a third person nature. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, otherwise it becomes something different and far more salacious. And oh, by the way, drunk, passed out, That's not right. giving consent. Yeah. Yeah. There's another four There's a word for that oh. called rape. Yeah, exactly. All right. But... It's all in good fun because Morris and Jerome have a moment there to stare at each other and pretend to get sick in their own mouths. They got there. That's right. They got theirs because they're, you know. That's what you get for right. messing with an angel. That's what you get for trying to rape an angel. <laughs> what do you think this is? Sodom and Gomorrah? Come on, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it starts off with Prince very sweetly carrying Aura as if across the threshold. Oh. Then we cut to him. Carrying her like a 80-pound sack of potatoes. Yeah, fireman's carry. Yes. And he has a joy and repetition moment with her. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And he also has to restrain himself from assaulting her while she is passed out. Right. He goes to... Uh, he desperately wants to feel her boob and kiss her. Right. And has to restrain himself. And so he has this joy and repetition it yeah, seems like, like a, a dream, dream. Yeah. Exactly. it is a dream yeah at the end or towards the end of this he reaches down and picks up a piece of paper uh-huh which i thought was a coffee filter <laughs> you're like what is what that <laughs> i guess i mean the best part of waking up is filters in your cup right i'm like what is that i've not forgot that they explain it later he it's he unfolds it and it's a heart-shaped piece of paper uh-huh with the lyrics from Still Would Stand All Time on it, signed, Love Me. Uh-huh. Which is the refrain and... Join repetition. Yes. Those two words. Then they have a special moment together. Prince mm-hmm. has an entire stationary pad of heart-shaped paper. Uh-huh. Um, they're playing Hangman. Yeah. And the word apparently is mine, M-I-N-E. Yes. And Aura says, No, baby. And points up to the sky saying, his. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's when I wanted to get sick in my mouth uh-huh. Morris and Jerome. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was not, uh, it was poorly worded and poorly acted and extraordinarily cheesy. Yeah. That whole bit, yes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, they could have cut that out completely. What, 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 what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Just what? <laughs> but uh, Aura makes herself at home, starts looking through Prince's stuff, and finds some sheet music. Yeah, some well-printed sheet music. That's right, like beautifully uh, calligraphied with the names right. on the top, and like and the, their unreleased songs. Yes, that are actual real songs, including yes. "God Is Alive," "Raven to the Joy Fantastic," which of course was not released then. Uh huh. Among others. Yeah, um, there is also spiritual world, okay. which is uh, if it's if it was recorded, it remains unreleased and out of circulation. Uh-huh. Love is everywhere. Another one. If it was recorded, it's unreleased and out of circulation. And then there's one dance with power. Uh huh. Quote dance with soul. Oh, okay. Quote it, or, or parentheses. parentheses. Okay. I'm sorry. Parentheses, yeah. which is. Uh, we got the power or something like that. I don't know. I, I found the song 
that is referenced there. I believe that's a chant from Bat Dance also. Yeah, it did end up, it was recorded prior to that and ended up in Bat Dance. And I will post a link to that on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast or you can send us an email tmatspodcast at gmail.com so we mentioned earlier that morris has city officials on his ass day uh-huh. and night that's according right to him he loses his temper he's had it he's got the fire marshal the mayor everybody well and this is why he wants money because he's paying these people off yes. and when he cannot pay them off they come after him legally right so there's all kinds of corruption that's right. I mean, he is the he's at the top of the time crime syndicate. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's a jab at Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis being late, kind of a nod. Made me think of when they were fired from uh-huh. the time after getting stuck in a sto- snowstorm before a concert in Atlanta. They went to work on another studio recording and couldn't make it to the concert. And according to Prince, Prince was not the one that fired Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. He only told Morris what he would do, and Morris did it. Uh, but obviously, that's all water under the easily flooded graffiti bridge uh-huh. because they're back together here. That's right. Morris and Jerome have a little cash off, <laughs> yeah, which this was actually duel. funny. I it thought was, this was funny. was funny. And some little... A little Western music playing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Morris only wins because mm-hmm. he's got a secret compartment in the heel of his Stacy Adams. Oh, yeah. He went classic James Bond style uh-huh. with that, that shoe. That's right. Morris Day was the best, 007. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we cut back to Aura and Prince. Aura asks Prince, ever been in Morris's club? It's really nice. I'm like... It's not like it's on the other side of town. It's like walking distance. <laughs> I can see the neon sign from the front of my club. That's right. I go, mean, that Morris's goons can come over to Glam Slam and right. mess things up on a regular basis all the time. Right. Prince says he's, quote, writing imaginary letters to his dad. <laughs> I was like, that's not true because the letters are real. Yeah. Yeah. You're just sending them to an imaginary location. Right. Or you're just not. It's more of like a, I'm still writing my thoughts to my father. Uh-huh. They're not imaginary letters. No. Okay? You're really real writing them. Right. <laughs> they exist in the world. They're tangible things. And he says, I guess I'd freak if he returned one. Uh-huh. Well, well yeah. then again, well, how could he return it? You never mail it. You know, I mean, again, some he, ambition. Yeah. Is my my advice. I don't think he means return the letters that he wrote. He means get a letter from his dad. I mean, yeah, you'd freak out. Cause no, I don't mean that they would come back like not enough postage, <laughs> return to sender. <laughs> love, love Clarence. <laughs> Prince says, it's hard to see green when there's so much blue. Yeah, I thought that was sweet. Then we get song number nine. Speaking of blue and rhyming with blue, the question of you. Uh-huh. That's right. And Aura tells him she's going to have to leave soon, which he, like, questions not at all. I know. I'm like, are you the little kid from, uh, what was the movie with? Sixth uh, Sense? No. It was Haley Joel Osment, and he was a little uh, robot. And oh, AI. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, and he, his his mom, you know, or he got to come back for one day and had to tell her, 
I've, I'll, I'm not going to be able to stay for long. This uh-huh. is what <laughs> I thought of. Was oh, okay. telling you. I'm going to have to leave you soon. Uh huh. And I'm uh-huh. just hoping Prince accepts it. Like, well, to be fair, Ingrid Travis's uh, performance was a little robotic in some places, <laughs> so that's an apt comparison. AI, artificial Ingrid. <laughs> Now, I mean, you can say that, but what was she told to do by the director of this film? I mean, I'm not faulting her. Okay. All right. And then all of a sudden, Prince has lost interest in everything and anything except Aura because his uh, response to Aura Aura telling him not to get too close to her, that she's going to leave soon, Prince says, I told you, nothing matters anymore. I was like, well, when when did you tell her? That must have been an off-camera moment <laughs> uh-huh. between the two of them. That's right. But uh, we get another outdoor shot of Prince and Aura that's actually pretty cute. Uh-huh. They have, like, a lovely day together. They do. And it doesn't look, you know, real soundstage-y at all. No. And it actually is much nicer. Uh-huh. You know? It was cute. Felt very natural. Yep. They weren't speaking, so it was that's just right. like there were no the, awkward moments. Well, there were no awkward speaking, but they had this cute interaction over an they apple, did. and that's right. Yeah, which is very Adam and Eve. That's right. Referencey. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Prince showing up at Pandemonium, and he does his little scream. <laughs> which sounds like it might be the one from Thieves in the Temple, uh-huh. which I gave every listener to this podcast the right to use that's right last episode do let us know if you've decided to uh, sample it somewhere though i'd love to hear it maybe in a haunted house or (laughs) uh, a car wash spitting out soap and oil yeah i could think of lots of uses for it a doorbell a ringtone (laughs) i think we could do that with our video doorbell we could have it play that sure instead of the chime yeah Josh screaming. That's right. Every time the Amazon guy comes, it's me being tortured. (laughs) That's the dog. The dog gets tortured. Very true. So Prince claims he wants a battle tonight. Uh Uh-huh. And the stakes, complete ownership of Glamslam. Right. And Morris, you know, walks around him. I'll kick your ass and have you running home to mama good and plenty fast. Uh And then he says, by the way. When's she getting out of the nut house? Oh, that's a very so... purple rain moment. Uh-huh. You know, he walks by Prince's dressing room. I'm sorry, the kids' dressing room, and says, "How's the family?" Uh huh. And then he walks off, uh-huh. and you see him later, kind of regretting being that ugly. Yeah. Uh, but he also says, "When's she getting out of the nut house?" You know, I miss them back rubs. Uh huh. Oh, it's kind of a ugly your mama joke. It is an ugly your mama joke. Um, I don't know what he's doing with Prince's mom if Jerome's not there to pitch in, too. <laughs> Come on, Prince. Be, oh. be faster on your feet with these comebacks. So Prince puts the club on the line. You you win, you get the club. Mm-hmm. Lock, keys, and all. And before he, they actually have their battle, uh-huh. uh, Prince contemplates, quote-unquote, the easy way out. Right. He has another look at his gun. That's right. Uh, there's a snippet, though, of Jerk Out, which I called Song 10. You okay. You hear it going on in the background. And yes, Prince is sleeping. While he's doing that, the tra- the time come and trash his gear. Yep. After he composes another imaginary letter to his dad. Yep. Wondering if he should take the easy way out, like he did. Mm-hmm. So Morris decides he's going to play Shake Ooh, as his... But- 
He does, oh. but we get a little snippet of chocolate before that, too, oh, when Aura is okay. talking to Jerome and another proclamation of she's there to save him and says, down deep, I know there's good in Morris. Whatever it takes, I know I can make him stop. All right. He's like, now it's like Darth Vader territory, you know? We're going to yeah. take the chili peppers out of Morris's hand, <laughs> and he's going to say, Aura, help me put the, put, the, put the lid back on the chili pepper jar. <laughs> So I can lay my eyes upon <laughs> my friend Prince. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and there's literal flames around Morris. As That's right. Shake. As he plays shake, there's and, fire around the stage. And, and a the giant bottle of Crisca. Yes. I'm like, oh, it's like chicken grease. Yes. Yeah. So while the fire is going on inside, we cut to Prince. And he's got his Prince's crew now. It's planting explosives outside. Mm-hmm. Prince is very pleased. Yes. So for a moment there, you might think Prince is there to destroy Morris's club. But wait, wait, wait. Not so fast, my friend. No. He has other plans for his explosives. That's right. They're just to draw the crowd outside. Yep. They have fireworks. That's right. And Prince proceeds to perform... Tick, tick, bang. Like I said in the last episode of our podcast, this is very much the darling Nikki of Graffiti Bridge, you know, uh-huh. he's performing Tick, Tick, Bang out in the street, Tevin Campbell style, uh-huh. and Aura is just not impressed with this, and Morris looks disgusted. Uh-huh, because it's dirty. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what disgusts Morris. Yeah. Rape, totally fine. That's right. Tick, tick, bang, that's too dirty. That's right. That's right. I constantly was watching to see who's playing drums for Prince in these performances. And on the street, you can see it is Michael Bland, who would become the drummer of the New Power Generation. So he was there in the street setup. Um, did you see Prince had a heart painted on his chest? Uh-huh. It said, beat me inside of it, which right. I thought was like an interesting kind of devil entendre. It was, very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to beat pretty, what? Yeah, and you're going to... Me, yeah. Or, yeah. Oh no, it was very intentionally to be yeah. sexual in nature as well as uh, a confrontation. Right. So it got me thinking, you know, during Tick, Tick, Bang, which is it? You know, Morris doesn't like the spiritual songs and he doesn't like this either. So like, I don't know, being a pimp is a fickle task, it seems to me. <laughs> I mean. There's a fine line of acceptable things. That's right. Don't well, be too holy and don't be too dirty. Well, here's the thing, really. Morris just wants the kid to not do anything. So oh, none yeah. of it's that's true. None of it's acceptable right. because right. the kid shouldn't be I, doing I anything want you anyway. To perform your next single and it's titled Go Away. <laughs> yes. So Tick Tick Bang ends and Aura says, Heaven, what should I do now? I'm losing him. Okay. Yeah. He's he's turned to the dirty side. That's of right. Horse. Yeah. You can hear the latest fashion playing as Prince leaves and he breaks a window. Mm-hmm. With his guitar. Yeah. And Aura's voice says, whatever you ask of me, I will do. Reminded me of Scandalous a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. To borrow a verse from the Batman motion picture soundtrack. So now it's Aura's time to find Prince at the Graffiti Bridge, and she gives him a poem. She gives him her whole book of poems. Oh, that's true. Um, but Not just in... a poem. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't mean the to. The entire book. I don't mean to downplay her gift. You're right. Of course, he opens it, and there's the lyrics to the song Graffiti Bridge. Uh-huh. 
in the book. Uh-huh. She's already written it for him. Right. Then she says, want to see where I write? Sure, he says, like kind of unenthusiastically. And it's got to be 11 feet away from right where they're, <laughs> they're standing. And uh, it's not particularly inspiring. It's a pillow and a blanket under the bridge. Right. It's sad. It is sad. And I Prince never says, well, you could stay with me. You don't have to do this. You yeah. Know? There's, no. He's like, I want to get really. with you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my friends think I'm going to marry you. Right. But sleep under the bridge a while longer. I guess. I guess. Although, I mean, she does say, you want to see where I write. She doesn't say, you want to see where I sleep. Yeah. So maybe he's still thinking, you know, this is her place of inspiration. Okay. Yeah. It certainly has a high ceiling thanks to the steep <laughs> incline of the graffiti bridge. Fair. She's got more advice for the kid you can't fight fire with fire when a man screams you must learn to whisper mm-hmm. okay yeah and uh the kids crew after the performance was not so well received in the battle the kids crew has decided it's time to get all their crap yeah. out of glam slam That's right clean it out yep tc says damn i didn't even get a chance to rap uh-huh like, no, but you weren't very proactive either. That's right. You see. didn't try very hard. That's right. You should have been rapping in the street. Come on, everybody else is doing stuff in the street. Just go out and rap in the street and see if somebody throws money at you. They yeah. did it for Tevin. He's like 13. Yeah, that's right. Uh, then Morris is composing a memo on a blue screen, <laughs> computer screen, yeah. about him getting all income derived from all the clubs sitting with Robin. And she wants to know what's going on. And Morris is not having that either. No. He says, you better put some trouble in that tone, Grace. Or you're going to be pulling some Stacey Adams out your ass. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then uh, Robin gets her song. That's right. Which, which is didn't... not on the soundtrack. No. And never released even as a B-side to any single number one. Because she does not want to be playing second fiddle to any... Rapable angel. <laughs> That's right. She wants to be Morris's number one. And then there is the great lease Aww. distraction of oh. 1990. <laughs> is it their lease or? I don't know. He's trying to get Melanie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The deeds. Yeah. Not the not the lease. Yeah. The deeds. The deeds. To the club. Yeah. He, he was trying to get uh, Melanie to yeah. sign over her club. Yep. Yep. And... George Clinton's about to sign his club over. Oh, yeah. Very and, close. you know, then we... You get Melody Cool. Uh-huh. Then the you next get, song. Yes. So Mavis gets her moment to perform, and um, she's got to know better than her son. She's out in the street also. With the steel, that's, she's got That's a, right, but her, her song is more traditional sort of musical, though. Uh-huh. Like she's out yes. there like singing to That's forward right. the story That's and right. less of a performance. That's very true. It's like the only song in the whole thing yes. that tr- follows the more traditional You're right. uh musical sort of concept. Concept. Right. Which is weird that that happens, and that's the only one. That's right. It is weird. Um, and it's also during this song in the street that I realized it was never daytime. No. At seven corners. It never is. That's because they're all asleep during the day. They sleep until the evening time. That's right. They get up at like 
well, it's, I mean, it seems like it might be kind of winter-ish or fall-ish. Okay, true. So it's probably getting dark at like four yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. Right. right. And, you know, it doesn't get light again until eight in the morning. Yeah. And then, you know, they're sleeping from eight to four. That's okay. eight hours. That's the life of a musician. That's right. It's only daytime if they're out in outdoor scenes. That's right. Like, That's right. I couldn't bother to shoot that at night. <laughs> no. Okay. Um... Then we have a tragic accident. Aura is inexplicably out in the street, which has been a very safe place to be. There's been like almost no no cars. Right. Up to this point. Unless, you know, Aura was in the car. Yes. And, but I guess Morris was in a car and Jerome was in a, on a motorcycle with a sidecar at the beginning. But that's true. And very few motorcycle also. That's right. All these people must like park somewhere else and walk yeah. to get to the seven corners because there's no cars parked on the street. There's, there's no, no parking traffic. Any of the any of the clubs either. He never picks up. Morris never gets his cut of the parking fees. Oh, you'd think he which would is be, a whole enterprise that he should have been after. He'd probably make more money from that than I think so. Much anything else? Yeah, no cover, and you charge out the rear end for parking. That's right. So many missed opportunities. But back to the tragedy at hand. That's right. Uh, Aura is struck by a Jeep. Yes. Oh, and the poor guy runs into a, a building. Store, yeah. And he seems injured, but okay. I don't yeah. know. It seems like the ambulance, they should have sent more than one ambulance. Right. Maybe the guy driving the Jeep should have had an ambulance as well because he seemed a little injured. Although he's fully but, aware of what happened. Yeah. Because they pull him out of the Jeep and he's like, I mm. never even saw her. Yeah. So not only did he know that he struck a person, but that it was a female. Right. Also. Right. I yeah. mean, I've been in accidents. You can be confused afterwards. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So the ambulance gets there. Right. And it looks more like a hearse than an yes. ambulance. Though I did look it up. And it's called a combination car. Oh, no. And that was uh, common. In, uh, it wouldn't have been in Minneapolis or Chin- Chanhassen oh. or in 1990. Okay. But in the, particularly in the 60s and 70s, if you had a small town, uh-huh. the hearse from the funeral home would double and was easily convertible okay. to be to be an ambulance because it neither one were needed all that frequently. And hopefully not at the same time. And hopefully or, not at the same time. Yeah. So they would it was a combination car. Okay. Well it's that's a, there's that's... an actual like name for it, but I was like that's very foreboding though. That they sent the hearse immediately yeah. and not an ambulance. Yeah. I was like, man, the Ghostbusters wagon is on the scene. <laughs> Ghostbusters wagon is a combination car. Okay, great. the most famous one actually. They get her inside the combination car faster uh-huh. than humanly possible. I as mean, the time looks like, on sadly, but yeah, there's no like get her stabilized and you know make sure that her neck isn't broken. It's like stop the car quick enough to throw her in. Yeah, that's right. Peel out and get out of there. That's right. Ah, boy. Uh, so there's some. Long faces and people are, you know, trying to digest the fact that they've just seen this tragedy. And Morris says to Prince, I have just one question for you. And Prince says, I'm listening, expecting some kind of reconciliation, perhaps. But Morris's question is, how do you want to die? Oh, I'm like, more has Morris ever been responsible for anyone's death before? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He's the villain. He's got to do villainous things. He said mean things and insulted his family situation before, but he's never 
push someone in front of a Jeep or, you know, pulled a trigger. Prince is the one with the gun. Yeah. What is Morris going to flog him to death with a well, chili pepper? And I think maybe that's what he's insinuating here is because the kid does go and, you know, contemplate suicide one more time. This yeah. time he's got the like gun in his hand. That's true. And I think he's kind of, Morris is kind of insinuating, you know, how do you want to die? Maybe you should go think about taking the way out like, like your dad did. Okay. Yeah. So he's just nudging him towards suicide. Yeah. Which is wrong on whole host of levels. It is. You can send you to jail now. Grace, if this is wrong, I don't want to be right. Oh. That's what Morris would tell you okay. if you were here in this podcast. Jill is back with Prince again. Uh-huh. She hands him a can of blue paint, which apparently is very difficult to get these days. In November of 2021, really? because of supply shortages, oh. the dye used to make blue paint is difficult to find. Oh, I did not difficult know that. Difficult to get. I mean, I'm okay. sure they still have it, but also the canisters uh-huh. are tough also. So Prince, though, 30 years ago, isn't thinking about supply shortages uh, No. in 2021. He throws the entire can of blue paint onto that same brick wall. Uh-huh. That he paints on and finds lyrics on, and it currently reads the time in red, and he's thrown this blue paint over the time. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, because it had been defaced. Right. Yes. So he... It he, wasn't he, like Prince painted the time up no, there. No, no. It yeah. was vandalized. Yeah. Right. So, Prince, if you go over something that's been defaced with, like, throwing paint on it, is it de-defaced? <laughs> or just faced? Maybe he did. He faced the wall. Okay. I mean, if it's his wall and he's painting on it, then it's not defaced. That's true. Only the time defaced it because it was Prince's wall to paint on as he pleased. So he unfaced it. Okay. Just trying to put some... <laughs> refaced it. Refaced it. He refaced <laughs> the wall. Okay. Okay. Right. Robin pleads with Morris. Yeah. I don't know what has made her change her mind. Oh, I mean, she's just so sad that... She witnessed the death of a woman she didn't like. I was going to say, she's or is out of the way. Now you can be the number one. What I mean, would she really be that sad? But she's convinced that Morris just needs to let him have the club. Yeah. Um, It's unclear why she cares either way. Right. Um, If anything, she should be thrilled that it seems like she's climbing up the seven corners ladder. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. You and know that Prince had the idea for a feather in a movie four years before Forrest Gump? That feather is floating around. I'm like, when did Forrest Gump come out? Was that? I think this was before that. And it was. It was. Now, had Prince read the book Forrest Gump, maybe? I don't know. He mentions Forrest Gump in the I Hate You remixes. Oh, that's right. But that was post the movie. Yes, it was. But anyway, I'm like, I'm watching this white feather kind of fly in the breeze like in memory of aura and i'm thinking take that tom hanks <laughs> yeah but you know feathers have been floating since before 1990 so just because they share this does not <laughs> what i'm saying is correlation does not equal causation okay that's fair enough i think that would make a great bumper sticker for graffiti bridge feathers floating since well before 1990 <laughs> Maybe that's why the doves are crying. They lost a feather. That's right. And they ended up, that feather ended up in this movie, which is n- not where good feathers go. <laughs> it's some kind of dove purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
so, still would stand all time, yes? Yes, and here we are in this time of trial. Right. The people need the spiritual music. Yes, they do. I thought this was very musical-ish. This okay. kind of forwarded the story a sure. little bit also. Yeah. In the vein of Melody Cool, because uh, Morris is watching on contemplatively. You know, and Prince finishes the song and he stretches out his hands. He's got tears in his eyes and as if to say, that's all I've got. I hope it's enough, Morris. And, uh-huh. uh, they shake hands and hug. Everything comes together in the end, I guess. It does. And, uh, and Jerome sums up what everyone is thinking, really. Man, can you believe it? The kid won. And with a ballad. Damn. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was It was funny, but it also recognizes that Still Would Stand All Time was a performance. Yeah, but like they're aware that he didn't just break into song. Right. It was maybe part of the ballad. Right. Um, what songs did Morris perform in this battle? Shake. But he got one, and Prince got like no two or three? I think, I guess. I don't know. Like, I mean, uh, suspend like, your disbelief. This is what you... I'm just thinking of, like, you know, equal airtime here. I mean, they were supposed to be a one and done, and I guess Tick, Tick, Bang wasn't the winner, but... Maybe, like, as... In uh, light of, or as death. Consolidation prize oh. for someone losing their life. Prince got a bonus song. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Consolidation prize? A consolation prize is what I said, and you can roll the tape back and make sure... <laughs> it should be a consolidation prize. They felt bad for him. <laughs> Whatever, man. Song 19, NPG, Reprise, uh-huh. Part 2. Yes, we're going to call it Reprise from now on. Fine. No Part 2, because... Uh, somebody yep. on Twitter, I retweeted it. Thank yeah. you. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember your handle, but thank you for tweeting at us in Prince's own handwriting that he called the second part of New Power Generation reprise on his initial track listing. Right, which was pretty close to the final thing, too, yeah. outside of Soul Psychedelicide yeah. being on there. And I don't think Thieves in the Temple maybe had been written yet. Was that on there? I I don't remember. But yeah, I was, yeah, reprise. Yes. Now I'm with you. And that sounds more musical-ish. A reprise. It's fancier. It's fancier. It is, you know, would have like some kind of Latin notation on the sheet music mm-hmm. of some kind. Yeah, you'd be, there'd be, uh, you know, talking about uh, crescendos and minuendos yeah. and all of that. And innuendos and consolidation prizes. Actually, that's not a bad piece of advice. You got seven corners. All these clubs maybe consolidate into one and, you know, just all share in it. And you get rid of the overhead. Share the parking. Uh, and knock a couple of them down for parking. Yes. As long as nobody's living in them. Right. Or under them. You know it ends happily because TC gets his true confessions wrap. <laughs> and Prince is working down underneath on his can't stop this feeling I got and TC's like yo kid I got to do this and Prince is like well pump the big noise uh-huh. everyone gets their shot that's right TC Ellis finally gets his his chance right, to rap right through no work of his own that's right um, all and, it took was somebody else's death and a, and, a, and, a, and a sweet song and a handshake that's right that's where all good rap comes from that's right uh, then no. this is when you turn to me and 
like put your pen down and you're like, so Graffiti Bridge isn't even in the movie? <laughs> I'm like, this is a disappointment to you, first of all, but... <laughs> And you said something like, that doesn't that say something about the song itself that it was didn't even appear in the in the movie? I really expected a like whole cast right. on the, the graffiti. Yeah, kind of oh, on the graffiti bridge. At the on or at uh, the bridge. Okay. I mean, which I mean, looking at the bridge, it probably couldn't have held that many people, but right. it was small and maybe not built well. Yeah. But yeah. I I expected a whole like you know, sure. and Aura's, like, head floating angelically uh-huh. over them, looking down on them, you know, being so pleased. Right. That everyone's they, together. Everyone's gotten God, together. God, God, and God, God came out on top. That's right. And maybe some cuts to, you know, extras looking at maps. And, uh-huh. Because you know, we got to make some uh, literal references, like uh-huh. Raspberry Berets and looking for Graffiti Bridge, maybe pulling into the Seven Corners convenience store to ask, hey, yeah. could you help me find this? Uh-huh. So you didn't get that. But you did get Graffiti Bridge as the cast credits roll. With nothing underneath them. Just the cast, black screen with yeah, cast screen, credits rolling. Uh, not only that, but all caps italic. We've talked about 1990s typography and it just wasn't happening. No. no well, I mean, it happened, and it, but it was not good. It happened and it offended. <laughs> um, what else did we notice here towards the end? Uh, the question of you in the credits was the question of Y-O-U. That's right. Not the letter U. U, which is how it should have been. So my thinking is Prince didn't make it through proofreading the credits oh, as he was reviewing absolutely these. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, but may you live to see the dawn, which was the classic Prince sign-off. U, the letter U, and two, the number two, mm-hmm. appears at the end. Yep. And um, the film is apparently over at this point. Everybody got what they wanted, except for Morris, because he what he wanted was the club. More money. We got to make and more, more money. money. Right. He wanted more money in the club, and I guess he decided that wasn't worthwhile. Maybe he's going to start following, you know, fire code instead of just paying there off. There could the be good things that come Marshall. out of it, right? Or maybe help Prince put a business plan together, and you know, here's your baseline is your fifteen hundred dollars a night that you're pulling in now. We need to increase that. I want some ROI. Uh huh. And here's what ROI means. <laughs> and you got to move out from. Living underneath the stage. Yeah, get yourself an apartment uh-huh. or, you know, ask Melody if you can move in with Tevin. Uh-huh. That's right. You share a bedroom. Yeah. I bet if he has gonna, a bunk bed already. It's call probably him fine. kid, then move in with the other kid. Uh-huh. Fade to black. Fade to black. Fade to black. All right. So now it's time for us to make some selections. Yep. We choose three things, a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or released. That was all in 1990. So, you know, uh, what speaks 1990 to you? Then uh, the C, the low point. It could be bad. It might not be bad. Chances are. This was not a great movie, so the C might be bad. Yeah. Um, and then the mountain, the thing that we liked the most. These are my rules, so I make my selections first. The time capsule. 
I thought it the all of these prince related people together in this movie was very of the time. It was That's people true. he had worked with in the 80s yep. and this would kind of be their last big hurrah with him and people he worked with in the 90s and kind of their introduction for him. Yep. So this little overlapping of people was my time capsule. A transition. That's transitory right. prince. <laughs> the transitory property of prince. Right. Yeah. Boy, this was hard for me. So I started thinking, well, what about, you know, this was like before Pixar and, you know, there were, there were no special effects, so to speak, in this film. Not that it needed them, but, you know. That's why we needed Aura's head. Floating. Or maybe her hand with the world in it, like what oh. was floating on the album cover. It's too bad she lost her hand in the Jeep accident, too. I mean, really. I think my time capsule is that message-swapping sign that gets cut to uh, multiple times, despite the fact that we hear Aura say, it's just around the corner. So many times I lost track. But we also get to read it on the sign that has the flipping sound. <laughs> that was super 1990 to okay. me, where there weren't like, you know, a flat screen TV that you put up and just run some graphics on it or uh-huh. something. It was this... It's like an a, a ultra version of a digital clock that you'd have on your nightstand in yeah. 1990. Yep. And that plastic flip sound that it made when it displayed different messages, including no one man will be ruler as Morris looked on, which was the pivotal point in Morris deciding the kid is right. He needs to run this club and I need to step away. So give me the message swapping flippity dippity sign. <laughs> okay. That's my time capsule. Excellent. All right, the C. I mean, it has to be the script. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with some finesse and the aid of a professional scriptwriter to help consolidate the story, it could have been a pretty passable, very fun movie that made sense. It's a passable, relatively fun movie if you're just not trying too hard. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of inconsistencies. There's a lot of things that you don't understand what's happening, really. And you could tell somebody understood and the way it got cut or edited or something left it incomprehensible to the audience. And I think with just a little help, it could have been a lot better. Well, uh, it definitely has room for improvement. I will hand you that, and I applaud you for seeing potential. Uh, I thought maybe it could have worked great. Uh, you know, Prince had this fleeting notion of a stage show or being in theater, and mm-hmm. maybe this would have been a fun play because uh-huh. uh, sure. it has those kinds of uh, elements to it. And, right. and, you know, I just think a lot of people walked into this expecting what they said they were going to get and getting this thing that very few people could understand. For me, I'm going to boil it down to one moment, and it's that one I described during Love Machine when Morris and Jerome are interrogating Aura. Shall we imagine a menage a trois? Shall we imagine we're alone? And it's just so poorly acted and shot, and there's just nothing good about it. And it just like is this one graffiti bridge microcosm of a moment <laughs> that uh, just yeah sat with me. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was that was the C to me. Okay, that's fine. The mountain. 
I'm really anxious to hear this one. Well, I really loved the stage performances in Glam Slam, particularly Prince's, Mm -hmm. though the time doing shake was pretty great too. Yeah. These performances in the club had such a fun live feel. They were well done. They had good music, fun outfits, interesting hair and makeup and good stage presence. The clubs looked good. It was fun. I really liked the, that twist on the, musical where a lot of the performances are known to be performances. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they had been live performances and not clearly a lip sync thing. Right. Um, I don't know. There's something about like purple rain was completely lip synced, but a lot of it was at least recorded live. Uh huh. Um, so that's why this came off to me as a, think of it as an extended, Music video right. for like a music video for an album before sure. that was a thing. Sure. And you know, maybe you could say, well, it actually was a little ahead of its time. And sure. And that'd be fine. For me, I do like the scenes with Morris and the time around a table, very Godfather-like as he eats a hot pepper uh-huh. and passes the jar around to others like it's a rite of passage. So to me, like as far as scenes and acting go, that like uh-huh. was pretty on point for the character of Morris Day and the time. Until we get the smoke coming out of somebody's <laughs> shoulders, well, like four feet behind him. Uh-huh. But actually, my favorite part of the movie is Thieves in the Temple. Oh. Um, I do like how that was shot in the alley, very dimly lit. Prince kind of in a ponytail with his beard and, and the, exposed the pants, hips. Yeah, the pit, hips with the cutout that nobody of, else could pull off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and just reading about. His dance moves uh-huh. in that. Well, I mean, it was the video for the single, but right. it was part of the film also. How it was mostly like one take. He was prepared, had it all ready. They showed up, shot it, and it was done. Yeah. Um, and it is like one of the more believable, I guess. Song. It's a believable song and an unbelievable story. Sure. You know, whereas like Shake was just fun and. Tick tick bang is a rehash of Darling Nikki a little bit in yeah. the in the story and still would stand all time, gets all cheesy and graffiti bridge doesn't even show up in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this I thought it was a good video and a good little like cutaway. It was a different performance, you know, because Prince is by himself. He doesn't have uh-huh. a band. He's in an alley. He's on top of a building. Oh, I guess that one does kind of fall into the yeah musical a little, little bit. A little bit. And, of course, he's up on the roof of the building with the Game Boys and uh-huh. art. And, yeah, I just thought it was that's part of the movie that I'm like, I can, I can rewatch that video. And uh-huh. I'm not like a big fan of Prince videos anyway. But I thought that one was good. It's not trying to do anything beyond its means. Right. Um, and I thought very smart. I mean, if it took $10 million to make the movie, at least I could say they got a soundtrack out of it and they basically got a whole bunch of music videos out of it too that didn't have to be reshot or just recut the film. And mm-hmm. you got videos for a bunch of different singles by a whole bunch of different artists. So right. in that regard, it's a fairly efficient thought for a project. Yeah. Um, and finding a home for all this material he had written. Anyway, getting long-winded about my mountain. These in the temple, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. What are we going to talk about next time? Oh, next time it's going to be all about the time. We're going to dive into pandemonium. 
the album that was released and somehow not really connected to the movie, even though many songs from Pandemonium could be heard in Graffiti Bridge. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an hour and six minute long album, so we're going to divide it into two. Okay. So Christy doesn't want to um, uh, shove hot peppers up her nostrils. Yeah, or contemplate Prince's weapon. That's right. I yeah. know. Just listen to the CD. Don't, don't, don't take the easy way out like Prince's dad did. <laughs> um, so we'll split it into two episodes and uh, probably split it. We'll look at how the LP was split, which I don't know off the top of my head, but that'll be part of the research for... Yeah. Wild, chaotic, peak of my erotic. They call it pandemonium. Excellent. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate that you take the time to listen to us. We know we don't just come on the radio and you make a choice. And man, we are touched when you do that. If you have a purple friend who's not listening, do tell them because it's more fun when you can listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening, friends. Thanks for sticking with us. Podcast cannot continue. <laughs> reaching, reaching. What if I need to write something down? I know. We're going to cut this out anyway. <laughs>